I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I am your host, Mike Madison, two hours a week, 9 to 10 o'clock on Wednesdays and Thursdays. I, I introduce myself that way because I assume there's probably some people out listening to the radio that maybe don't typically. It is getting to be the holiday season. People starting to take off. I do I do enjoy that time. I got to tell you, my one of my favorite days is the day after Christmas. My family is from, uh, got relatives from Scotland and Wales in particular. And December 26th is Boxing Day. It was the only day during the course of my childhood where I didn't have to make my bed. My, my mom made a big deal of this. Uh, her family was from Wales. She was actually born in Canada and grew up in New Hampshire, but they celebrated Boxing Day, and it was the one day of the whole year. I, maybe on my birthday I didn't have to make my bed, but Boxing Day was supposed to be a day of total relaxation. It's always incredibly nice. I, I, Christmas Day was always wonderful growing up, but you know, it's exhausting. So one of my favorite days of the entire year is Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. So uh, I hope everybody will celebrate that one with me, the day of relaxing. I uh, got a lot to get to today. I have got a, I've got a statistic on debt that is just a jaw dropper. I'll tell you, my, my favorite statistic on, <clears throat> on the money that's being spent you know, we throw the term trillion around, and I'm going to repeat this. I apologize to the people who have listened for years. I've said this many times. Uh, but if you're not familiar, if you haven't heard this before, I think this is a pretty good one. Uh, 32, uh, excuse me, a trillion seconds, a trillion seconds, you know, 60 seconds in a minute, right? A trillion seconds is 32,000 years. I think it's actually 31,800 and. 56, something along those lines, but it's close to 32,000 years is what a trillion seconds is. And I think that kind of helps you wrap your mind around what we're talking about financially when they say they're going to run another one or two trillion dollar deficit. You know, these words begin to have no effect on us. I've got a statistic today that may be better than my 32,000 years being a trillion seconds statistic. And I had to do the math on it to make sure it was right. So that's my tip. If for nothing else, listen to this show to to hear this statistic about government spending just over the past, I believe it's like nine or 10 months. It is jaw-dropping. You know, it's, it's getting to be primary time. I don't hear a whole lot of people in the primaries yet again really talking about the spending. We'll get the platitudes. 
you know, it was time to have an adult conversation about spending. You know, the Republicans will give some lip service to it and then do absolutely nothing. But we're, we're heading into primary time. I don't know. How is it to listen to a radio show, a, a, a political radio show where the host really hates politics? Because <laughs> that's what you're listening to. Is that make for a better listening experience? A worse listening experience? Or the same listening experience, I, I don't really know. But I'll tell you, I don't know I've ever dreaded a political season like I do this one. You know, I actually have a good supercut of this. But every time they tell us it's the most important election of our lifetime. And, and the funny thing is, is that, yeah, it, it actually does feel like it just every time, doesn't it? This 2024 seems like it's going to be a really big election. There's, it, there seems to be so much at stake because we allow them to screw up so many things that it gets more serious, right? The fix. The fix is ever elusive. But, the, but we allow them to take us to such great depths that we feel like we're about to fall off a cliff, like everything is going to collapse and we're all going to die if we don't fix it this next election. And, and we, they say that to us every single time. And many of you out there listening to this going, well, they might have said it before, but this one's real. But, you know, that's the same emotion that everybody had in 2020, 2016, 2012, 28, 4, 2000. Everybody gets into this. And, I, I you know, the, the, the thing that's really I've run into this just over the past week. So we're running into these primaries. And so the the news shows now, and because I'm in a hotel and I always, uh, when I wake up in the morning, I get up early, and I will turn into local news stations just to see what, what's going on in the community where I am. I find that, you know, interesting uh, where I am right now. Not a whole lot going on. Kind of reminds me of home. But I have noticed that uh, a lot of times I'll leave the television on, I'll mute it. As soon as I realize I'm listening to the Today Show or Good Morning America, <laughs> I, I immediately mute it. I can't take—I mean, I don't think I can take two minutes of what they talk about on these shows, but it's on. And, and what we're seeing now—and it's the same every election cycle—we're seeing the news filled with polls and then interviews with voters. Now, we know how the polls work, right? And the way that polls work in the United States in this hyper-partisan— tribal mentality. Uh, the, here's how polls work. Uh, the polls that come out that tell us something that we don't like or don't agree with, those polls are never right. But the polls that we agree with that give us the results that we think we want, those polls are always great. <laughs> You'll see this. Just watch the watch politicians, watch partisans, watch Trump supporters or Biden supporters or everybody. They will point to a poll that says, look, Donald Trump's 50 points ahead. But then a poll will come out and they say he's trailing in some state and they'll go, oh, you can't believe polls. Everybody's guilty of this. I just find it as an observer, you know, like I say, I'm kind of on the outside watching the tribalism. I think that kind of cracks me up. Because we know how bad polling really is. They really are very terrible and often very far off. Of course, if there's as much election cheating as we believe, who really cares what the polls say anyway? But so we're treated on the news stations with endless polling, right? The battleground states. Uh, you know, according to Republicans, I saw one today, and this is one I want to believe. 
the handling, Joe Biden's handling of the Middle East right now, he had like a 20% approval rating and something like 73% thought he was handling it horribly. Well, he is. So I, I love to think that maybe 73%, but you know, and then they have to break everything down. Republicans, Democrats, independents, likely voters, registered voters. You know what I mean? They, they just parse through this stuff endlessly, and I can't stand it. But what is even worse than all of the polls, I, and this is going to come off, I'm already aware of this. I've got some self-awareness about me. This is going to come off very condescending. But the interviews with voters are killing me. Because what I realize every time I see these things, and they're probably perfectly wonderful people. I don't care if it's right wing, left wing. They're just people trying to make it in the world, right? They're trying to have a good Christmas. They're trying to get stuff together for a birthday party. They're trying to not get fired from their job and not become homeless. <laughs> I mean, that's the average American out there. And that's what we see in these videos where they do the, the interview with the average voters. But what strikes me, because I will stop and listen to these out of sheer curiosity. I can't do much of it. I'm, I'm just about already filled up. But what I realize when I watch these is that I would say the average voter is probably working with. Now, this is the average Listeners to my show, probably others on WYAB, you're going to be the exception to this. But I would say the average voter out there is probably working with about, what, 10, maybe 20 percent of the information that they really need to make any kind of a decision. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and allow that voting even matters at this point. I got to tell you, I voted for one person that's won an election, and that was Trump in 2016. I didn't vote for him again in 2020 for sure. But outside of that, I either don't vote or I vote Libertarian or Constitution Party or whatever. Now, I'm not even sure voting even matters anymore because I've watched what everybody else has been electing, the two tribes between the Republicans and the Democrats. And I'm sitting back as an observer and saying, eh, not really seeing the difference. Not, not seeing too much of a difference. Oh, the, the, the rhetoric is different. The, the players are different. Some are better looking. You know, I mean, there's, there's something to that. But as far as the direction of this country, not seeing a difference for all of you who've been out there voting. I think the last time previous to 2016 that I voted for anybody who won was George W. Bush in 2004. And I'm still trying to internally live down the fact I voted for George Bush and Dick Cheney again. But voters do not have so much information. They are, near as I can tell, just completely clueless about the abject corruption of our government. You know, you'll see these interviews with voters and they'll say, well, I really like what he had to say about this or I really like what her plan is for that. Not understanding that they're never going to live up to these things they're saying or the plans that they have. I'm making a lot of air quotes in the studio right now. They're still believing this. I mean, the, the average voter, I can't even understand it anymore. Most people that I know, but still, even people who are really awake to the corruption in the system, they will still watch debates and go, ooh, I really liked what he said about X. I'm not saying there's no value to some of that stuff. Vivek, he's the most interesting one on the Republican side. As I said before, if I were a Republican, I'd vote for Vivek. He's at least interesting. I think he probably would have a very good chance of winning. I mean, he's a brown dude. He's an Indian guy. They can't throw. I mean, there's just so many things about him. I think he's your best shot. 
Although, you know, Trump might win too. But anyway, it's just the fact of watching these people and realizing, oh my God, the nation is full of these people. I would say, what, 90% of the population of this country that votes is operating on about 10 to 20% of the information that they actually need to consider putting somebody in very powerful offices. They have no idea about the corruption. They do not have a lick of understanding of economics. Isn't that a hell of a thing? We vote for people with, uh, what is it now, six or seven trillion dollar checkbook every single year. And the people that put the people in place to spend six or seven trillion dollars, the voters have no idea what that means. No idea of, of any theories of economics, of free markets, or of, you know, they, they don't understand how one thing now that might sound good can lead to 10 horrific things, sometimes very quickly and sometimes over time. You know, I, I, I can imagine, I mean, Social Security's made it longer than it probably should, but as far as Ponzi schemes go, Social Security has been a great success. As far as a sustainable, fair... Uh, free market operation. It's not. It's socialism. So there's a whole lot of things that these voters hear from the different candidates that sound great right now, and they have no idea. They would not think past the implementation of that idea. They don't think of the consequences of any of these things. And, and probably the most depressing thing about this, as I see and I watch these interviews with voters, I would say 80 to 90 percent of people, while they may say out loud, yeah, I don't like all these politicians, throw the bums out. You know, that's kind of a even that itself, while I enjoy it. I think we need to shut you know most governmental institutions down. I like the idea that people want to throw the bums out. That's great until it comes to an election. And then they think that. They think that if they can just get control of the system, if their guy or their team or their gal, if they can lead it, they'll make government work for us. These people still trust and believe in government. Now, that's one that might hit home for some people listening to this show, because you might actually still have faith and some belief in government itself. You know, the founding of this country was really a rebuke of government at just about every level. They, One of the founding fathers, I believe, said it was a necessary evil, but it should be essentially microscopic. But the fact is that what we live in today, even with all of the people that are awake, people still believe that this institution can be bridled for good. We just need to get somebody in there with some good ideas, and then they'll spend that $7 trillion real well, and we'll be doing great. And the thing is, for me, as, as an observer and somebody who, who does not want to be ruled, how can I be expected to accept being ruled by someone a bunch of clueless people voted for? I, I, I don't agree to that. I do not. I, I, I don't agree to it. <laughs> You know, I have this weird thing about me where I, I kind of feel free in my own mind, and I just think, oh, well, you know, some nut job politician got together with his party full of other nut jobs or control freaks, and they passed some law, but I didn't vote for any of those people. As a matter of fact, I spoke out against them. That law is not for me. <laughs> that regulation doesn't affect me. 
because I didn't ask for it. I don't want it. I publicly reject it. So, you know, back in the days of the, what was it called, CHOP in Portland, when they were doing the autonomous zones, I had the Mike Madison autonomous zone. I think I'm still working in it. It, were, it extends about six feet around me in a, in a little circle or a little halo, a little cone of freedom. And all of the votes that all of your politicians pass, they don't come in here. I'm a, I live in, you know, Mike Madison Freeland. I, I don't know that's going to work real well when, when the state actually comes for me. But, you know, within my own mind, I just think, you know, I'm, I don't endorse this stuff. I didn't vote for these people. I don't, you know, and, and it's even another thing. I don't promote them on this show. Even the people that I like when they do things, you know, the Thomas Masseys of the world, I will say, if he does something I don't like, I'll turn on him in a second. More on him in just a second. But anyway, the fate of this nation rests with people who have very limited factual information about how this country works and is run. They really don't know and I think to consumers of particularly WYAB, you know, the people who kind of live in this stuff, wallow around in it, we just take for granted that, well, sure, everybody knows that Joe Biden is corrupt. I'm telling you, there are people that don't know, many that just willfully refuse to accept it. But there are people who just they don't know. And this is the vast majority of this country. And every time I see interviews with these people, I think, oh, God. They are about to vote and put somebody to rule this country who thinks they are the boss of me. And I'm telling you, I've had about all of it I can take. And what? We've only got, what? we got about a year left. <laughs> I guess I've got 11 months of watching this stuff. Primary after primary. The political season is just abhorrent to me. Uh, and I'll give you an example of that when I come back. Got to take a quick break. Stick around. Stop me now. Another thing about these voters, <laughs> I can go through a commercial break still steaming, come out the other side ready to still do battle. Well, one thing that I realized from most of these, these voters that they interview in these shows, the likely voters, the registered voters, the Democrat voters, the lean Republican voters, <laughs> they have all the categories uh, possible. What I realize about most of them, you know what they are? They're obedient people. They really just... You know, because you'll, you'll hear these people say, you know, well, who are you going to vote for? And they say, you know, I really I'm really not sure yet. I want to I want to hear them say a few more things. <laughs> Holy cow. You might as well. I mean, I think we could have a chicken elect president. You know how they well, they say you can pick lottery numbers. They'll just put numbers down on a floor and a chicken pecks at it. and You got as good a chance of winning the lottery. I believe we could just send chickens to the polling places and just wait for the results. Probably be tabulated more quickly, too. There's a quote, uh, my quote of the day today. I hadn't even gotten to it yet. I'm 20 minutes into the show. George Carlin said, quote, The obedient always think of themselves as virtuous rather than cowardly. I'm telling you, George Carlin, I just love that quote because it's what I think of when I hear somebody say with pride, 
I'm a law-abiding, tax-paying citizen. Like that's a good thing. Now, yeah, I'm not talking about going out and harming people. Us libertarians, we got two rules. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. It's not difficult. You can pretty much do it, do anything you want. Just don't hurt anybody else and don't take any of their stuff. It's not yours. It's not nice. And I'd throw you in a, in a cage for doing it. But people will say, I'm a law-abiding, tax-paying citizen with pride, with pride. Know what you are at that point. You're a domesticated citizen, a domesticated human on the plantation, and you don't even know it. I, I don't know enough about history, but I'm sure somewhere throughout history of slavery, there were slaves who said, I'm the most well-behaved slave anyone's ever owned. I mean, I don't think there were many of them. They weren't popular, but somehow this government has got us saying, I'm a law-abiding, tax-paying citizen with, a, with pride. I'm just going to hit one thing on this current election, how, how gross these elections get. I, I saw a... a I keep wanting to call it a tweet, but I guess it's a truth. What is it? What do they call the truths? Is it a truther? It's a truth social that Thomas Massey actually shared from Donald Trump. Here's what Trump said. He says, has any smart and energetic Republican in the great state of Texas decided to run in the primary against rhino Congressman Chip Roy? For the right person, he is very beatable. If interested, let me know. Three exclamation points. Now, I saw this and I thought to myself, well, that's an odd target, Chip Roy. Because most Trump supporters have been very supportive of Chip Roy. He is one of the, I believe he is in the Freedom Caucus. You know, he, he's, he's got the bona fides. I don't like everything he does, but for a, for a Republican, Chip Roy is one of the kind of troublemakers in the House. And I was thinking to myself, self, what in the world has Chip Roy done to make Donald Trump want to drum him out of the House? Because I do know this, if you have to rank Republicans in the House... Uh, Chip Roy's at the very top of what you probably want if you're a Trump supporter. He, he's no rhino, and, and I, I'm looking at this going, why is Trump calling Chip Roy a rhino? Again, I disagree with Chip Roy on some things. I'm just trying to think of it in the Trump supporter, the Republican's mind. Who could have a problem with Chip Roy? You got, what, 200 and 225 targets in the House? Chip Roy should be at the bottom of the list if you're trying to get rid of somebody. And then I saw it. Oh, of course. Chip Roy has endorsed Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm not weighing in one way or the other. As I said, if I were a Republican, I'd probably vote for Vivek. But that's up to y'all. Y'all knock yourselves out. I know what you're going to do. You're going to vote for Trump. But Donald Trump wants to once again throw out one of the better congressmen one of the better Republican conservative congressmen because he hasn't bended the knee to Trump, because he picked DeSantis. Now, I found this kind of interesting because isn't Trump ahead by like 50 points? I mean, does he really even need to weigh in and say these kinds of things? Maybe even, I would imagine there's a few people in Texas that, no, Look, everybody gives Trump a pass on everything. They'll just go, well, I disagree with him on that. Well, you know what the that is? That is Donald Trump with no core ideology or beliefs whatsoever. His core belief is 
You support me or you deserve to get kicked out of the party. Thomas Massey, I'm going to say it again. Thomas Massey, the only person to stand up to the largest spending package in the history of mankind. And Donald Trump called him a third-rate grandstander for forcing a vote on an over $2 trillion bill. Over $2 trillion of taxpayer money just flushed down the toilet on ridiculous COVID stuff that never should have been needed had they not shut the, the entire country down. And Thomas Massey dared to stand in the way of just a rubber stamp $2 trillion spending bill. Donald Trump wants him out of the office. How do you trust this guy? I mean, he can say, I'm disappointed that Chip Roy's with him. I hope that after the primaries are over, I can count on Chip Roy's support. He's always been a great congressman. Wouldn't that be a great statement? No, he's actively, according to his post there, he's actively recruiting people to try to primary Chip Roy because Chip Roy is not on the Trump train. I'll tell you what. I don't know. I know everybody will make a million excuses. I just think it's sad. It's true about Donald Trump. I think it's sad that he's gotten people to go along with that. When I come back, I'm going to give you this debt statistic. This is a biggie. Speaking of a $2 trillion spending package, just just wait around for this one. I think this is better than my 32,000 years being a trillion seconds. I'll let you decide when I come back. Stick around. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I, I, I got stunned all over again on this statistic on government spending. Are you ready for this one? And I did the math. I'm going to work the math out for you. Uh, this was actually tweeted out by a Libertarian Party in Pinellas County. I don't even know where that is. Let me see. Where is Pinellas County? You know, I'm looking for somewhere to move. Maybe that's... Uh, it just says Pinellas LP. How am I supposed to know what state that's in? <laughs> anyway, the Libertarian Party from Pinellas County tweeted this out. If you made, get ready for this, get ready for this. If you made $500,000 per day, are you with me? If you made $500,000 per day, every single day since the Great Pyramids were built, you would have less than half of what the U.S. government has borrowed since June. Let me do that one again. What you just—you you, got to really—I mean, not if you're driving, but just close your eyes and just think about what this would—you know—what these kinds of dollars are. Five hundred thousand dollars, not per year. Five hundred thousand dollars per day, if you made that every single day. Since the Great Pyramids, I estimated the Great Pyramids at 4,500 years ago. Was I right about that? I think I looked it up. If you made $500,000 per day, every single day, no weekends off, seven, seven days a week, since the Great Pyramids are built, you would have less than half of what the U.S. government has borrowed since June of this year. Wow. That was a biggie to me. So I checked the math. 
$500,000 times 365 days in the year times 4,500 years is $821,250,000,000. We've borrowed over $1.6 trillion since June. To me, that's absolutely stunning. I mean, I just am searching for ways that people can start to understand. I mean, can you imagine? We'll never pay this back. It is impossible to ever pay this money back. Now, I hope I didn't say that too loud because I don't want the Chinese and the Japanese to, to hear me say it. They're already cutting back on their purchases of our treasury. They, they're not lending us money like they used to, strangely enough. Even though we're paying higher interest rates on it, they're still not coming up to the table to get more of that sweet U.S. debt. But that is a stunning, stunning figure, you know, to kind of wrap your mind around and think about you know exactly what this means. This is what, and these people, these people that are doing this. You know, I saw a video of a woman who makes seven-inch clay statues of famous people. And, and I watched her make this one of Freddie Mercury. Now, what you may be thinking is some kind of a simple... She was making the skulls by hand and then putting in particular eyes. You can imagine, you know, the head's only about an inch long. And it was all of this detail. Then she would actually put in special teeth. And then she would put clay over that and then start to sculpt their face and then put hair on them. I know it sounds stupid, but these were just gorgeous figures. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, who in the world is going to dedicate their lives to doing these things. Now, the joke may be on me. She may sell every one of these things for $20,000. I mean, these are handmade, one-of-a-kind things, and they are beautiful once they get done. She did a Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen. The dang thing looked just exactly like him. Now, I am aware that you can probably get a 3D printer and do that in about 20 minutes. <laughs> so so she may, she may need to keep pumping them out until the 3D printers come out. But, you know, I mean, it's having something handcrafted. But it was just amazing to me that somebody would do this with their life, would spend that time with all that detail. And then I realized what she does is so much more admirable, admirable than anything our political class does. I would rather have 435 corrupt guys and gals in the House of the Representatives up there making arts and crafts rather than doing what they're doing. Maybe actually doing something productive with their lives. And, and the problem is, is that people cheer for, the, for these people. I mean, this woman's at least bringing people some joy. And what she does is honest. She's not hurting anybody. Now, I don't know. Maybe she goes to these great lengths and then stuffs them with fentanyl. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm never surprised at what people do. But just think about the respect that these politicians, I just gave you that stunning statistic of the money that they are spending. They're spending your wealth, my wealth, our children's wealth, our great-grandchildren, and they think they're owed this level of somehow respectability, Right. Just just wait till one of these Congress critters comes and visits your Rotary Club. Watch people fawn all over them. Watch the introduction they get. We have the Right Honorable Roger Wicker with us today, and the crowd's going to go crazy. And they're spending this country. They are bankrupting this country. They are 
They are euthanizing the United States of America, yet people still accept them as something, well, acceptable. Just the spending alone, I'm not even getting into today, into the wars, <laughs> you know, into the endless regulations. The spending alone should be enough to where these politicians should be scared to show their face. You know, I, I, I guess everybody heard. Did anybody hear that there was some, some gay sex going on in some Senate chambers or something? <laughs> I would I would imagine probably most people have heard about that by now. <laughs> Holy cow. But I'll tell you, that's the least of my problems with what takes place in the Senate chambers. You know, the same week, the same week that everybody was talking about this Senate aide that was having gay sex and filming it in the Senate chambers, that same week they passed warrantless uh, spying on all Americans. They even goosed it up a little bit, gave even, even more of an ability for the government to spy on you. That didn't get near the outrage or attention from what I see as, you know, conservative ink on social media. Oh, everybody was talking about the gay sex filmed in the Senate chambers. And it's a story. It's pathetic. It's gross. But it ain't the worst thing to have happened in the Senate this past week. The warrantless spying on this country, the kind of stuff that back in 1984, well, let me use another year because I'm not, not trying to pick on the book, in even 1986, back when we were in the Cold War, you remember, I, I just remember thinking, how do those people in the Soviet Union live like that? You know, I was a young kid, and I was rah-rah America, and America, you know, capitalism versus communism. And I just would think to myself, even as a youngster, I would think, why do they not rise up against their government that's spying on them? I mean, you remember the stories about the Soviet Union? Basically, microphones in your home. They were just constantly spying on you. They had nothing on us right now. And so while everybody's looking at butt stuff in the Senate... <laughs> I'm thinking, you got rammed a heck of a lot harder than that Senate aide did last week just by uh, reauthorizing this NDAA. And I believe Michael Guest was right there to reauthorize it. This is why I would caution people against always voting for the law and order candidate. You know, Michael Guest was a was a prosecutor. Now, there's some good prosecutors out there, and as a libertarian, I say you can't hurt anybody, you can't take their stuff, and we have to have a mechanism to punish those people. I think I could do it without government. We could figure it out. But when you put these law and order people in there, they just can't, though, they'll just trip all over themselves to get any level of, air quotes here in the studio, law enforcement, every tool they could ever dream of. And this tool that they've dreamt up happens to be spying on every single American at a whim. So I was pretty unimpressed with the gay sex in the Senate, much more outraged about the other. Somebody had, had posted this too, just talking about kind of the spending and just how pathetic we've gotten and to me. And this is such an innocuous tweet. Uh, somebody called Wolf Financial. I assume they are probably some level of financial advisor. And I'm going to read this to you, and everybody else is going to see nothing wrong with this tweet, except me. 
because I live inside the mind of Mike Madison. It is my curse and my joy at the same time. So Wolf Financial tweets this out. They say, the Roth IRA is the greatest investment account of all time. It is so powerful that the government caps how much you can put in each year. And yet, 90% of people don't have one. Here's what you need to know about Roth IRAs and how to open one. Now, I guarantee you, 99.99999% of people who read that tweet, read it and go, oh, yeah, I need to open a Roth or... Oh, I'm going to look at this and see why a Roth IRA is so great. For any of you who want to know, I am a reformed and confessed uh, former financial advisor, so I know these things. The Roth IRA is an investment account that you can open up with your after-tax money, and it doesn't get taxed when you take it out. Oh, gee, thank you, Daddy Government. We have a government that tells us how much we can save for our retirement and where we can put it and there's always a bunch of rules around this. You know, they'll even let you withdraw it on certain conditions. Again, this is your money. <laughs> your money that you, they will give you all of these rules, whether it be a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA or a 401k, they put caps on it. This is basically the government saying, all right, all right, I'll tell you what we're going to do for you, baby. We're going to let you set aside a little bit of money. Now, we're going to tax you on the money that you make. But if you have a little left over, you can put it in this Roth IRA, and we're going to let it grow without any taxes. And people are like, "Oh, that's great!" And they'll say, oh, wait, "Hold, hold on now. We're only going to let. We're going to tell you how much you can put into it every year. You can't just be going crazy and and investing your own money without us getting a piece of it when you take it out. So we're just going to let you do. I don't know what it is right now. Fourteen thousand, sixteen thousand. I don't. I don't care. We have a government that tells us. Here's what you can do with your own money. And if you violate the rules that we set of what you can do with your own money, we're going to take a big chunk of that out. You can open a Roth IRA, but if you don't put it in the right stuff or if you take it out too early, I mean, how many people out there right now, just with, with the financial stress that's going on, how many people are making early withdrawals right now from their IRAs and their 401ks? With all the greatest intention, these are very productive people that are sliding into poverty now. All the greatest intention, they decided to open a retirement account so they could provide for themselves and their family when they retired. But now they've run into some hard times, inflation, mortgages, all the rest of it is just going nuts. So, so they take some money out. So it's not, it's not bad enough that the government created inflation through all this spending that they do. Now, when you take that money out of your retirement account to make ends meet today, the government penalizes you and takes a big chunk of it, usually around 10 to 20 percent. Am I missing something? There's been a lot of talk over the years since I've been on this planet about the United States being a free country. i got to tell you, the more of these shows I do, the less I believe that. <laughs> Holy cow. Holy cow. All right, got to take one break. Yeah, i got to take a break. I'll be right back. Well, I had a whole lot more to get to today. 
but, but when I get talking about government spending and confiscating it from its own subjects, we're subjects, we're not citizens. Can we just go ahead and make that official change? We have reverted back to subjects of the crown. It's been pointed out so many times. I love seeing it on social media, so maybe it'll wake some people up. We rebelled against Britain for somewhere between 1.5 and 3% of taxes. Now we pay 40 to 50% and we're sitting on the couch. There was a great meme of this the other day. Some guy, obviously big pot belly, laid asleep on the couch with a remote on his belly, and that's what it said. It said we rebelled against the British for a 1.5% tax on tea or stamps or whatever it said. Now we pay 50%, and here's what Americans' reaction. Laying on the couch, digesting fast food with a remote on our belly. I told you, this show can get a tad condescending. I just don't understand why this is not the subject matter of every single conservative show, because conservatives always talk about freedom. I mean, they talk about it up one side and down the other, but I guess it's limited to freedom. If I, We're a free country if I can post on Twitter. I'm not free over at Facebook. I'm not free at Instagram. But on Twitter, I'm free. Now, it doesn't matter that in my private life, in my personal life, the government steals half my wealth every single year. I can post on Twitter. That's freedom, baby. I guess that is what the metric is now. It is just lost on me. I think I just need to go. I think I need like a uh, like a rebellion uh, summer camp. If the French farmers are still spraying manure on the government buildings over in France this spring, I may take like a spring rebellion break. That's got to be so satisfying, and the target is so worthy. I would really encourage American farmers. American farmers got a lot of problems here, too. There's a lot of things going on with our farms. Our farmers look to France, even the Germans, even the staid kind of, you know, button-up collar Germans. I think they're getting in on the act. Their farmers are starting to spread a little manure in the streets by government buildings. U.S. farmers, take a look. That's all the time I got for today. Have a great one. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.